There is the key to leading your family to rise to that spiritual place you want for them and for you to be there with them as you help them grow in faith that Jesus Christ is their loving Redeemer. They will feel a desire to repent. As they do, humility will begin to replace pride. As they begin to feel what the Lord has given them, they will want to share more graciously and generously. Rivalry for prominence or recognition will diminish. Hate will be driven out by love. And finally, like it did for the people converted by King Benjamin, the desire to do good will fortify them against temptation to sin. King Benjamin's people testified that they had no more disposition to do evil. So, building faith in Jesus Christ is the beginning of reversing any spiritual decline in your family and in your home. That faith is more likely to bring repentance than your preaching against each symptom of spiritual decline. You will best lead by example. Family members and others must see you growing in your own faith in Jesus Christ and in His gospel. Because none of us is perfect and feelings are easily hurt, Families can become sacred sanctuaries only as we repent early and sincerely. Parents can set an example. Harsh words or unkind thoughts can be repented of quickly and sincerely. A simple, I'm sorry, can heal wounds and invite both forgiveness and love. I wish to speak of the Savior's parable in which a householder went out early in the morning to hire laborers. After employing the first group at 6 in the morning, he returned at 9 a.m., at 12 noon, and at 3 in the afternoon. Hiring more workers as the urgency of the harvest increased, the Scripture says he came back a final time about the 11th hour, approximately 5 p.m., and hired a concluding number then. Then just an hour later, all the workers gathered to receive their day's wage. Surprisingly, all received the same wage in spite of the different hours of labor. I do not know who in this vast audience today may need to hear the message of forgiveness inherent in this parable. But however late you think you are, however many chances you think you've missed, however many mistakes you feel you've made, or talents you think you don't have, or distance from home and family and God you feel you have traveled, I testify that you have not traveled beyond the reach of divine love. It is not possible for you to sink lower than the infinite light of Christ's atonement shines. Whether you are not yet of our faith or were once with us and have not remained, 
There is nothing in either case you have done that cannot be undone. There is no problem which you cannot overcome. There is no dream that in the unfolding of time and eternity cannot yet be realized. Even if you feel you are the lost and last laborer of the eleventh hour, the Lord of the vineyard still stands beckoning. Come boldly to the throne of grace and fall at the feet of the Holy One of Israel. Come and feast without money and without price at the table of the Lord. So if you've made covenants, keep them. If you haven't made them, make them. If you've made them and broken them, repent and repair them. It is never too late, so long as the master of the vineyard says there is time. Please listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit telling you right now, this very moment, that you should accept the atoning gift of the Lord Jesus Christ and enjoy the fellowship of His labor. Don't delay. It's getting late. The atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ opens the door for all men to repent and come unto Him. My message today is one of hope for all of us. We are all sinners who can be cleansed by repentance. To repent from sin is not easy, Elder Russell M. Nelson taught in a prior general conference, but the prize is worth the price. Repentance begins with our Savior, and it is a joy, not a burden. In last December's Christmas devotional, President Nelson taught, True repentance is not an event, it is a never-ending privilege. It is fundamental to progression and having peace of mind, comfort, and joy. To be cleansed by repentance, we must forsake our sins and confess them to the Lord and to His mortal judge where required. Alma taught that we must also bring forth works of righteousness. All of this is part of the frequent scriptural invitation to come unto Christ. We need to partake of the sacrament each Sabbath day. In that ordinance, we make covenants and receive blessings that help us overcome all acts and desires that block us from the perfection our Savior invites us to achieve. As we deny ourselves of all ungodliness and love God with all our might, mind, and strength, then we may be perfect in Christ and be sanctified through the shedding of His blood to become holy without spot. What a promise! What a miracle! What a blessing! Learning to choose the things of the Spirit over the things of the flesh is one of the primary reasons why this earthly experience is part of Heavenly Father's plan. 
It's also why the plan is built upon the solid, sure foundation of the Atonement of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, so that our sins, including the errors we make when we yield to the flesh, can be overcome through constant repentance and we can live spiritually focused. Now is the time to control our bodily appetites, to compel to comply with the spiritual doctrine of Christ. That is why we must not procrastinate the day of our repentance. Repentance, therefore, becomes an indispensable weapon in our battle over self. Just last General Conference, President Nelson referred to this battle and reminded us that, quote, when we choose to repent, we choose to change. We allow the Savior to transform us into the best version of ourselves. We choose to grow spiritually and receive joy, the joy of redemption in Him. When we choose to repent, we choose to become more like Jesus Christ. Close quote. You know, every night as I review my day in prayer with my Father in Heaven, I ask to be forgiven if I did anything wrong and promise to try to be better tomorrow. I believe this regular daily repentance helps my spirit remind my body who is in charge of me. It is my testimony that many of the deepest regrets of tomorrow can be prevented by following the Savior today. If we have sinned or made mistakes, if we have made choices that we now regret, there is the precious gift of Christ's atonement through which we can be forgiven. We cannot go back in time and change the past, but we can repent. The Savior can wipe away our tears of regret and remove the burden of our sins. His atonement allows us to leave the past behind and move forward with clean hands, with a pure heart, and a determination to be better and to do better and especially to become better. To comprehend more fully the process whereby we may obtain and always retain a remission of our sins, we first need to understand the inseparable relationship among three sacred ordinances that provide access to the powers of heaven, baptism by immersion for the remission of sins, laying on of hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost and the sacrament. Baptism is the introductory ordinance of the gospel of Jesus Christ and must be preceded by faith in the Savior and sincere repentance. This ordinance is a sign and a commandment which God has set for His children to enter into His kingdom and is administered in the authority of the Aaronic Priesthood. In the process of coming unto the Savior and spiritual rebirth, baptism provides a necessary initial cleansing of our soul from sin. The baptism of water without the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost attending it is of no use. They are necessarily and inseparably connected. The consistent connectedness among the principle of repentance, the ordinances of baptism, and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost 
and the glorious blessing of the remission of sin is emphasized repeatedly in the scriptures. Nephi declared, For the gate by which ye should enter is repentance and baptism by water, and then cometh a remission of your sins by fire and by the Holy Ghost. The Savior himself proclaimed, Now this is the commandment, Repent and come unto me and be baptized in my name, that ye may be sanctified by the reception of the Holy Ghost, that ye may stand spotless before me at the last day. In the process of coming unto the Savior and spiritual rebirth, receiving the sanctifying power of the Holy Ghost in our lives creates the possibility of an ongoing cleansing of our soul from sin. This joyous blessing is vital because no unclean thing can dwell with God. As members of the Lord's Restored Church, we are blessed both by our initial cleansing from sin associated with baptism and by the potential for an ongoing cleansing from sin made possible through the companionship and power of the Holy Ghost, even the third member of the Godhead. The ordinance of the sacrament is a holy and repeated invitation to repent sincerely and to be renewed spiritually. The act of partaking of the sacrament in and of itself does not remit sins. But as we prepare conscientiously and participate in this holy ordinance with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, then the promise is that we may always have the Spirit of the Lord to be with us. And by the sanctifying power of the Holy Ghost as our constant companion, we can always retain a remission of our sins. We are aware that there are those who have already engaged in conduct inconsistent with this sacred standard of morality. Please understand that through the Savior's Atonement, all can repent and return like the spring of water to a clean and pure state. It is difficult to repent. It requires a broken heart and a contrite spirit. But when the steps to repentance are righteously followed, the words spoken by the prophet Alma to his son Corianton, who had been involved in moral transgressions, are applicable. And now, my son, I desire that you should let these things trouble you no more, and only let your sins trouble you with that trouble which shall bring you down unto repentance. The Savior has said, Behold, he who has repented of his sins, the same is forgiven, and I, the Lord, remember them no more. Without repentance, there is no real progress or improvement in life. Pretending there is no sin does not lessen its burden and pain. Suffering for sin does not by itself change anything for the better. Only repentance leads to the sunlit uplands of a better life. And, of course, only through repentance do we gain access to the atoning grace of Jesus Christ and salvation. Repentance is a divine gift, and there should be a smile on our faces when we speak of it. See, I'm smiling. <laughs>
It points us to freedom and confidence and peace. Rather than interrupting the celebration, the gift of repentance is the cause for true celebration. Repentance exists as an option only because of the Atonement of Jesus Christ. It is His infinite sacrifice that bringeth about means unto men that they may have faith unto repentance. Repentance is the necessary condition, and the grace of Christ is the power by which mercy can satisfy the demands of justice. Repentance means striving to change. It would mock the Savior's suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross for us to expect that He should transform us into angelic beings with no real effort on our part. Rather, we seek His grace to complement and reward our most diligent efforts. Perhaps as much as for mercy, we should pray for time and opportunity to work and strive and overcome. Surely the Lord smiles upon one who desires to come to judgment worthily, who resolutely labors day by day to replace weakness with strength. Real repentance, real change may require repeated attempts, but there is something refining and holy in such striving. Divine forgiveness and healing flow quite naturally to such a soul. For indeed, virtue loveth virtue, light cleaveth unto light, and mercy hath compassion on mercy, and claimeth her own. With repentance we can steadily improve in our capacity to live the celestial law. For we recognize that he who is not able to abide the law of a celestial kingdom cannot abide a celestial glory. True repentance is not superficial. The Lord gives two overarching requirements. By this ye may know if a man repenteth of his sins. Behold, he will confess them and forsake them. Confessing and forsaking are powerful concepts. They are much more than a casual, I admit it, I'm sorry. It's a deep, sometimes agonizing acknowledgement of error and offense to God and man. Sorrow and regret and bitter tears often accompany one's confession, especially when his or her actions have been the cause of pain to someone, or worse, have led another into sin. It is this deep distress, this view of things as they really are, that leads one, as Alma, to cry out, O Jesus, Thou Son of God, have mercy on me, who am in the gall of bitterness and am encircled about by the everlasting chains of death. With faith in the merciful Redeemer and His power, potential despair turns to hope. One's very heart and desires change, and the once appealing sin becomes increasingly abhorrent. A resolve to abandon and forsake the sin and to repair as fully as one possibly can the damage he or she has caused now forms in that new heart. This resolve soon matures into a covenant of obedience to God, and with that covenant in place, the Holy Ghost, the divine messenger of grace, will bring relief and forgiveness. One is moved to declare again with Alma, And oh, what joy and what marvelous light I do behold! Yea, my soul is filled with joy as exceeding as was my pain. 
any pain entailed in repentance will always be far less than the suffering required to satisfy justice for unresolved transgression. The Savior spoke little about what He endured to satisfy the demands of justice and atone for our sins, but He did make this revealing statement. Behold, I, God, have suffered these things for all that they might not suffer if they would repent. But if they would not repent, they must suffer even as I. Which suffering caused myself, even God, the greatest of all, to tremble because of pain and to bleed at every pore and to suffer both body and spirit, and would that I might not drink the bitter cup? I gratefully acknowledge and testify that the incomprehensible suffering, death, and resurrection of our Lord bringeth to pass the condition of repentance. The divine gift of repentance is the key to happiness here and hereafter. In the Savior's words and in deep humility and love, I invite all to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I am amazed at the Savior's encircling arms and mercy and love for the repentant, no matter how selfish the forsaken sin. I testify that the Savior is able and eager to forgive our sins. Except for those few who choose perdition after having known a fullness, there is no sin that cannot be forgiven. What a marvelous privilege for each of us to turn away from our sins and to come unto Christ. Divine forgiveness is one of the sweetest fruits of the gospel, removing guilt and pain from our hearts and replacing it with joy and peace of conscience. Jesus declares, Will ye not now return unto me and repent of your sins and be converted that I may heal you? No mistake, sin, or choice will change God's love for us. That does not mean sinful conduct is condoned, nor does it remove our obligation to repent when sins are committed. But do not forget, Heavenly Father knows and loves each of you, and He is always ready to help. Along the way, you will stumble and fall perhaps many times. You're not perfect. Falling is part of the qualifying process that refines your character character to serve in a more compassionate way. The Savior and His infinite atonement provide the way to overcome our mistakes through sincere repentance. If you fail, repent, learn from it, and practice so you, so you will do better next time. The Christian writer C.S. Lewis wrote about the need and the method for change. He noted that repentance involves being put back on the right road. A wrong sum can be put right, he said, but only by going back till you find the error and working it afresh from that point, never by simply going on. Changing our behavior and returning to the right road are part of repentance, but only part. Real repentance also includes a turning of our heart and will to God and a renunciation of sin. As explained in Ezekiel, to repent is to turn from sin, do that which is lawful and right, restore the pledge, and walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity. 
Yet even this is an incomplete description. It doesn't properly identify the power that makes repentance possible—the atoning sacrifice of our Savior. Real repentance must involve faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, faith that He can change us, faith that He can forgive us, and faith that He will help us avoid more mistakes. This kind of faith makes His Atonement effective in our lives. When we perceive afterwards and turn around with the Savior's help, we can feel hope in His promises and the joy of forgiveness. Without the Redeemer, the inherent hope and joy evaporate, and repentance becomes simply miserable behavior modification. But by exercising faith in Him, we become converted to His ability and willingness to forgive sin. President Boyd K. Packer affirmed the hopeful promises of repentance in April 2015 at his last General Conference. He described the power of the Savior's Atonement to heal in what I consider the distillation of the wisdom gained in half a century of apostolic service. President Packer said, The Atonement leaves no tracks, no traces. What it fixes is fixed. It just heals, and what it heals stays healed. He continued, The Atonement, which can reclaim each one of us, bears no scars. That means that no matter what we've done or where we have been or how something happened, if we truly repent, the Savior has promised that He would atone. And when He atoned, that settled that. The Atonement can wash clean every stain, no matter how difficult or how long or how many times repeated. The reach of the Savior's Atonement is infinite in breadth and depth for you and for me, but it will never be imposed on us. As the prophet Lehi explained, after we're instructed sufficiently to know good from evil, we're free to choose liberty and eternal life through the great mediator of all men or to choose captivity and death. In other words, Repentance is a choice. The fact that we can repent is the good news of the gospel. Guilt can be swept away. We can be filled with joy, receive a remission of our sins, and have peace of conscience. We can be freed from feelings of despair and the bondage of sin. We can be filled with the marvelous light of God and be pained no more. Repentance is not only possible but also joyful because of our Savior. We can always remember him by trusting when the Lord assures us, He who has repented of his sins, the same is forgiven, and I, the Lord, remember them no more. When we fully repent, including by confessing and forsaking our sins, we ask with Enos, as our guilt is swept away, Lord, how is it done? And hear the answer, because of thy faith in Christ and his invitation to put me in remembrance. Once we repent and priesthood leaders declare us worthy, we need not continue to confess and confess these past sins. To be worthy does not mean to be perfect. His plan of happiness invites us to be humbly at peace on our life's journey to someday become perfected in Christ, 
not constantly worried, frustrated, or unhappy in our imperfections today. Remember, He knows all the things we don't want anyone else to know about us and loves us still. Sometimes life tests our trust in Christ's mercy, justice, and judgment, and in His liberating invitation to allow His Atonement to heal us as we forgive others and ourselves. While through His sacrifice the Savior unconditionally removed the effect of physical death, He did not eliminate our personal responsibility to repent for the sins we commit. Rather, He extended to us a loving invitation to be reconciled to our Eternal Father. Through Jesus Christ and His atoning sacrifice, we can experience a mighty change of mind and heart, bringing a fresh attitude both toward God and toward life in general. When we sincerely repent of our sins and turn our hearts and will to God and His commandments, we can receive His forgiveness and feel the influence of His Holy Spirit in greater abundance. Mercifully, we avoid having to experience the death of the suffering the Savior endured. The gift of repentance is an expression of God's kindness towards His children, and it is a demonstration of His incomparable power to help us overcome the sins we commit. It is also an evidence of the patience and long-suffering our loving Father has for our mortal weakness and frailties. My dear friends, I testify to you that as we genuinely repent of our sins, we allow the atoning sacrifice of Christ to become wholly effective in our life. We will become free from the bondage of sin, find joy in our earthly journey, and become eligible to receive eternal salvation, which was prepared from the foundation of the world for all who believe in Jesus Christ and come unto Him. I bear my solemn witness that Jesus rose from the dead and that He lives. I testify to you that through Him and His infinite atonement, the Savior provided us the way to overcome death, both physically and spiritually. In addition to these great blessings, He also offers us comfort and assurance in difficult times. I assure you that as we put our trust in Jesus Christ and His supernal atoning, atoning sacrifice, enduring in our faith to the end, we will enjoy the promises of our beloved Heavenly Father, who does everything within His power to help us return to His presence one day. This is His work and His glory. I testify to you that Jesus is the Christ, the Redeemer of the world, the promised Messiah, the resurrection, and the life. And I share these truths with you in His holy name, the only begotten of the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
You're my refuge in the storm.